Hey everybody, it's JT. What is on your holiday meal shopping list? Well, I would suggest Painted Hills Natural Beef. It is some of the best beef in the world. And your friends and family will be thanking you for a long time if you serve Painted Hills Natural Beef for your holiday meals. And now you can buy it online just by going to PaintedHillsBeef.com. Use the code BBQNATION at checkout and save yourself 15% on your order. Give Painted Hills Natural Beef a place on your table this holiday season. Welcome to Barbecue Nation with JT's After Hours. Conversation that took place after the broadcast ended. Hey everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Hey everybody, welcome to After Hours here on Barbecue Nation. I'm JT, along with uh, my co-host, co-compatriot, co-conspirator. Well, both of them are my co-conspirators, uh, Leanne Whippen and Meathead Goldwyn from AmazingRibs.com. Uh, if you ever see us at a convention or a food show or something together, come by, say hi, and keep moving because you're in danger. That's the only thing I'm going to say about, <laughs> about that. <laughs> Any, anything with muscle on it is in danger. We <laughs> might eat you. We might yeah. eat you. We might eat you. So uh, I just want to follow up for a minute because I know it's a sensitive subject. But how that must have been kind of I mean, I know how are you efficient- talking? Are you talking about the breaking news about his yes, book? about his book? Yeah, and that had to be not devastating, but I know how it, much time and it effort was frustrating. You put in. I was frustrated. I was yeah. really hoping. You know, I knew I was running long, but I was really hoping that when I turned it in, they'd say, "Gosh, this is really good." But there's enough here for two books, and I'm thinking, look at what Nathan Merville did—six books. Um, mm-hmm. Let's have a two book set. And as a two book set, it will immediately be, di- you know, in any kind of sales project. Sure. You want differentiation. You want to be different than the competition. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to be, uh, and nobody's ever done a two book set. Um, and there's some really good barbecue books out there. And I thought that, you know, there was enough good kind that they, they agreed the content's really good. Um, but they just said right now, paper prices are high. Labor costs are high. Printing costs are high. Mm. Um, you know, you have we still have supply chain issues in the printing industry. Let's do one book. Let's focus on the meathead method. And it was pretty it's it's going to be pretty easy for me to cut out. I mean, for example, I think you may have heard me talk about I really wanted to talk about um, the artistic side of the culinary world. Right. And mm-hmm. how culinary art particularly uh, the direction that barbecue is going. There's so many really creative cooks, particularly Asian Americans um, in in Texas and a couple Uh here in in the Midwest who are doing marvelous things with Asian flavors and American barbecue. And you got guys like Bill Durney in New York who are off the hook with um, creative culinary. I really wanted to get into that sort of thing and culinary art um and uh so it it didn't make the cut for this book but it can make the cut for the next book so well you shared some what you shared with leanne and myself some of the images that are going to be in the book yeah they're the recipe images they'll i think still make the cut they're they're phenomenal because you know that's right well you you're a photographer so yeah i appreciate the compliment Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, absolutely yeah so that will you know 
I'm. It, we made this decision just two weeks ago, so I'm in the process now of this because my grandpa it was a an immigrant, and he used to talk. He was in the um, uh, the uh, cl- the clothing industry in New York, and he used to talk about the gazintas. This goes into this, this goes into that. that. <laughs> and so right now I'm working on the gazintas. What goes into the book and what goes out? So that's cute. Well, you know, you could always go back like they do in the music business. You re- you do the first one and you release it, and then you come back and then they remaster it. That's always a hook because they add a couple extra things to it mm. and, and then they resell it. So maybe there maybe that's a path. We'll down I got road. enough good stuff to make two good books. So. Oh, I know you do. I mean, but, but you know they've only contracted for one, and they're paying me a lot of money for it. So let's get it done, and let's see if they're up for a second. There you go. There you go. We're always up for you around here. We we love you. Absolutely. Having, having I'm you just on sorry the show. that it's going to be delayed, and I hope I live that long. <laughs> oh, you're you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Don't make me come back. There is what they say. Um, let's talk. Let's go back to. Fourth of July grilling. There's there and barbecue. Whatever you, whatever your preferred method is, we don't care. We're just glad you're doing it. But um, is the Fourth of July one of those holidays that people should kind of how? What's the term I like to use? Persnicketiness. Put their persnicketiness aside and enjoy the holiday and the meal. You know, I've had people come to my house like at Christmas and they wouldn't eat certain things. Maybe they were vegan and they didn't want to eat bacon and those twice baked potatoes or whatever Mm. the hell it was. I'm a believer. And of course, you guys, we've all seen each other in person. Leanne can, you know, eat 500 pounds of food and never gain an ounce. I eat four ounces of food and gain 500 pounds. So the the difference is, though, I (laughs) and meatheads in my category on that one. I don't, I, think, know, I don't know that people are persnickety at the 4th of July. I, I think people have some serious health concerns. And, you know, if you as a host can, I mean, you know, your guests usually, unless it's a big open hoo-ha, but, um, you know, I think you should be cognizant of that. And if you're going to invite them as a guest, I think it's part of your job being a host, not making a full on, but at least accommodating some of their I agree. Wishes and desires. Well, we can give them a carrot. We have, we have a couple of vegetarians, no vegans, but we have a couple of vegetarians out there and a few people who won't eat pork. And um, there's just so much food here, though. I mean, usually yeah. there's several really big salads. Um, there's just so much food here. Fortunately, we don't have anybody who is um, a religious evangelist about their diet. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I occasionally read the, uh, the advice columns about you know, I'm all upset. I went to their house for Christmas and they'd have didn't have anything I could eat. Well, golly, you know, you, either you help them by telling them in advance or bringing a dish or something or whatever. Right. right. Um, right. Uh, and, you know, you read this. Uh, I, I hate to see that. But fortunately, I don't have that problem. We'll have about 50 people here and everybody eats. Most most of them will eat. Most of them really look forward to my ribs. Oh, I'm sure they do. But my hoo-hahs are always open, as Leanne would say. And mm-hmm. um, I think it's uh, seriously, you try to accommodate them. But excuse me. But w- w- what is your definition for hoo-ha? Because I've always had 
<laughs> I see you smiling, Leanne. Yeah, yeah. Hoo-hahs, to me, are a body part. No, hoo-ha is all-encompassing party. Like, yeah. it's like a hoo-ha. Oh, really? It's like, it's just a party. A okay, hoo-ha. I thought it was a body part. Well, it can be if you want it to be, but in this reference, I was it was pertaining to party. <laughs> I, I I think if you go to Webster's dictionary, there's multiple definitions of who under there. Yeah, you there's me curious now. <laughs> they, they've got the Leanne Whippet version, they've got the Meathead yeah. version, and they've got the JT version there. there yeah, go. I just I just think that um we used to throw great big hoo-hahs at the ranch mm-hmm. and we would have you know, anywhere from 75 to 150 people there, like on the 4th of July or Labor Day or something. And there always seemed to be one person that came through, uh, not on the standard guest list, but they were kind of a friend of a friend or something. And well, they, I they, just they couldn't Googled it. And I did too. What did you say? <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a body part. Uh, we're not going to go there. Well, that's not what I have. I have a state or condition of excitement, agitation, or disturbance. Uh, I'm looking at the Urban Dictionary, <laughs> <laughs> which is um, all right. I'm going to aim directly at the female body. Oh, uh, you're right. You're right. Well, boy, I better be careful. <sighs> Well, it's, least, it's a locker room term, I think. And, yeah, at least but I, that's the way I learned it, you know. And yeah, I'm pretty up to date on locker room terms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you're right. It is. It is. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to remove that. <laughs> but it says a fuss up for yeah. So it's not even a party. Wow. Okay, I stand corrected. <laughs> Well, I suppose it, it has multiple meanings. I suppose if we dug, we'd find a party in there too. But the meaning I see in the urban dictionary I, is I see that. X-rated. Okay, yes. David, when you're listening to this show to edit it, leave all of this in. That's for sure. <laughs> well, you're we're allowed to. It's after hours. So. It's after okay. hours. We can leave right. it in there. What's what's new. the one thing that you've had when you've gone to somebody's hoo-ha in the last few years? Oh, no. <laughs> that, no. That, no. Oh, no. I think we'll start a new podcast called the Hoo-Ha Show. No. Uh, no. <laughs> but when you've gone to an event a social gathering at maybe somebody else's house and something that they cooked or uh, grilled, smoked, whatever that maybe you had n- never thought of or never tried and you found it, you know, pleasing. Well, if I, if I'm asked that question first, yes, uh, yes. I'm, I love ethnic food. Um, uh, I, you know, I'm a middle American uh, white male. Um, and, uh, you know, I love Asian foods, Indian foods. And if you go to somebody's houses of Indian descent and they're serving, um, uh, you know, uh, chicken tandoor or something like mm-hmm. that, count me in. Yeah. I love that. And I actually have those, some of those recipes in my new book when it comes out. Um, and, uh, that's something I really love is, uh, getting outside the classic box of yes. American barbecue and using Asian ingredients and Spanish ingredients. And uh, that I always look forward to what I don't look forward to. And I've encountered this often is raw chicken. And how yeah. many times uh-huh. have you gone to a backyard barbecue 
where it's burnt on the outside and it's raw in the middle. Mm-hmm. And that is such a common error. And mm-hmm. the way to combat that is two-zone cooking. Yep. Start your cooking on the indirect side, warm it, bring it up to 150, then move it over to the hot side, lift the lid, get that skin golden, and finish it off to 160 or so, and you're good to go. I think um, I think that I, I will, I'll tell you one of my little funky stories here. I have a family member who shall not be named. Um, years ago, wanted me to come cook at their, their 4th of July, uh, gathering. Okay. And this person made this sauce, very proud of that sauce. It was so thick and it had so many chopped up vegetables in it. Um, and, and the flavor was fine. Don't get me wrong. The flavor was fine, but we started cooking the chicken. Same, just like you were talking about. But within about 10 minutes, this person came over and started saying, when are you going to put the sauce on? And when are you going to put the sauce on? When are you going to put the sauce on? So I actually showed this person. uh, I took a piece of chicken, like a thigh, and just put the sauce on it, put it on the direct heat. And in, in like four minutes, because the sauce had so much sugar in it, just what you were describing, Meathead, it was burnt on the, you know, it was still clucking in the middle, but it was burnt on the outside like that. So uh, please, if you're listening to this show and listening to After Hours, please, you know, keep that in mind as what Leanne said earlier, just the last few minutes, uh, you know, getting a nice glaze on it and uh, get a little crunch with it if you want. That's fine. Just don't burn the snot out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, in general, um, when you char something, you're making it black. I mean, I, I think there's nothing wrong with really dark steaks and really dark and maybe a little char on the fat. But I don't want to eat carbon. Yeah. I mean, that's eating charcoal. And when I, that, I don't eat at a restaurant named the Char House because they're telling me in advance they're going to burn it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> It's easier just to take a blowtorch to it than to go through all that effort. (laughs) Ms. Whippin, what do you have to say about that? What, about the charring? Yeah. I like char. But, I mean, do you like, like uh, Meathead just said, uh, a little bit of char. But you're not looking like blackened on a version of blackened. No, but I will eat charred fat. I'll eat charred fat on its own. (laughs) That's not a lie. Uh, My daughter cuts the fat off of her steak and she will hand it to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty gross, but not a lot of it. I mean, but I do like the taste. A little char on the fat is okay, but Mm -hmm. just a little. Yeah. Well, that's why I like the spinellus on on prime rib because I, you can, I'll eat that. I'll just stand in the kitchen and eat that stuff when nobody's looking. Because they all juice running down my chin. Oh, it's and stuff. a little forgiving, too. Yeah, yeah, but it's all good. Um, what would be, Leanne, start with you. What's your number one tip for people? Maybe they haven't had that much experience at the grill. And they're, and they're trying. And we gave them a lot of good tips in the regular show. But what is one thing they should keep in mind that if they don't screw it up and don't do something, and we're looking for that one thing that they'll probably have a fairly successful barbecue. 
that they're looking to do? You mean, or they yeah, should that's, do? They should not do. A tip of something they should be careful of and not do. And if they do that. Don't don't throw water on your coals after you're done. Well, that's a good one. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. Because you will have a massive explosion. <laughs> if you're looking to create a huge dust bowl, then go for it. Little hot corollary is a lot of people think they're getting a lot, a lot of flare-ups. They get the squirt gun out, yeah, and yeah. that just creates um, ash, and that yeah, ash it's settles bad. on and the food. And it gets food. on your food, yeah, yeah. So that yeah. would be my one thing. <laughs> That's yeah. why you want to always, always cook with two zones, mm-hmm. because if your hot zone, the fat drips on the fire, and you get these huge flare-ups and it's out of control, and you're in danger of burning your chicken, you move it to the indirect zone where it's safe. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. now you can close the lid and wait for the fire to die down, and away you go. You always got to have two zones. Uh-huh. Yep. Agreed. You do not want to mount Vesuvius in your uh-huh. in your barbecue. Yeah, uh-huh. I, I can tell you that from personal experience. Mm-hmm. I was four when it happened, but I will tell you that it was a long time ago. So Meathead, what's one thing that you would recommend to people above all else, no thermometers. That's, that's not the type of question, mm-hmm. but what should they do to safely guarantee that they will have a very edible piece of protein that they can plop on somebody's plate? Well, we've touched on it in the first half of the program. But I think cook slower, cook at a lower temperature. Um, It's easier to get on a bus that is moving very slowly than a bus that is moving fast. You can hit your target temperature easier. You'll have moister meat because the meat fibers don't shrink as they do in hot temperatures. So I would say cook it slower. I think you said something really vital. And that is about the sauce. Don't put the sauce on until the very end um, because it, it's got sugar in it. It will burn. And uh, I think Leanne's comment was great, too. Uh, uh, don't, you know, try to squirt the fire to tamp down flare-ups. <laughs> move, right. move, move, move it to the indirect zone. Cook in two zones and cook at lower temperatures and sear at the end of the cook rather than the beginning. And uh, you're good to go. I mean, if you really want the, the best answer is buy my book. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. That is true. So, so I had somebody ask me this too the other day. I don't know why all of a sudden people started asking me questions. I, I probably should stay home more, but um, is there a, a hundred percent right, correct answer? And it, it pertains to this. Amy Mills told me a number of years ago that they cooked their ribs at 210 degrees. Okay. And, and that's fine. I, th- my thought on that is if you have a temperature that you're comfortable with uh, mm-hmm. and it works for you mm-hmm. and you're not turning out undercooked product or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, that's fine with me. But mm-hmm. some people are no, no, you've got to cook these at uh, 235 or whatever it is, is there, there's, to me, there's always been latitude in barbecue to make your food come out the way you like it as the cook thoughts. Well, I mean, I I think in general, the lower, the better, 
Right. Um, but, um, you know, a lot of competition cooks now are cooking their brisket up over 300. Mm-hmm. They're getting away with it and they're winning prizes. Um, now that a lot of them are cooking Wagyu, but that's another story. Right. Um, I think that, uh, you know, and also a lot of cookers, pits, have a favorite temperature. Um, uh, Weber Smoky Mountain, which is real popular, about 400 bucks. The 18-inch is pretty easy to settle in around 225, which is a number that I like. Mm-hmm. And when I started writing my website years ago, that was the most popular barbecue smoker on the market. And so I said, okay, let's get, let's not make life com- confusing. Let's not tell people cook this at 225, this at 250, this at 275. Right. Let's get people to m- manage their tool so that they can hit 225 all the time. If you can get hit to, if you can hit 225 in rain, in, in snow, in windy, then you've got a good number. And so I've set 225 is sort of my standard temp. Um, and uh, uh, it works for me. But if uh, you're the, the, the newer Weber Smoky Mountain that came out a few years ago, the 22 incher doesn't want to go down to 225 very easily. It, it settles in at 275. Um, a lot of the gas, home gas smokers don't go under 275. So find your temperature and just learn how to hit a number Hopefully a lower number. And Amy wants 210. Go 210. Mm-hmm. Leanne likes 275. I like 225. I don't think you're going to screw up with any of those numbers, but just get a number that you know you can hit and that you can hold steady at so it's not fluctuating up and down, up and down, up and down. And uh, get control of your tool. And that's, you know, mm-hmm. that's part of the artistry. I, I mean, with pellet smokers, they have a thermostat. And some of the uh, charcoal grills now, have attachments that can thermostatically control uh, so you can, you know, get to a number and hold there. Right. Um, that's pretty cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would agree. Ms. Whippin? I I agree with what he's saying. She forgot what the question <laughs> is. She forgot what the goddamn question was. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I don't know how many people can see this, but I look, I'm looking at your eyes, kiddo. And I know what the hell was it? That was an hour ago. You go on these tangents. I have no idea where you started. (laughs) You you guys know you just wind me up and let me go. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a little inside barbecue. Sometimes when we have these guests, and especially if they've written a new book and I, and I do everybody the same courtesy. I, I look at the book, I read the book, you know, I don't read the index and stuff, but I read as much of it as I can. And I make notes. I never make notes with me, Dad. I don't have to. I, I do because he says so many things that I don't know, like about that kind of corn. See, I wrote it down. The Mariah. Oh yeah, if you can corn. find Mariah. But so any of these I, new hybrids, you know. Yeah. Any of these new hybrids, they're so good. So I, I just, just have want... Silver Queen corn in yeah, that, Jersey. That's a hybrid, but it's been just... around for a number of years. Oh yeah, when I was little, we used to stop by stands and get it, and I just love it. It's yeah. So oh, I want to yeah. know your notes on your hoo ha. And a lot of these <laughs> bicolor corns are beautiful too. You know. All we right. have, we get a lot of corn out here that is, uh, you know, bright yellow, but then also every 10th kernel or something is bright white. 
Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a it's a modification of a sweet corn, and it's delicious. Uh, I should point out that these are not GMOs; they're hybrids. Yeah, yeah. I mean they're they're made by crossbreeding the old fashioned way, the Mendelian. Uh-huh. Um, you you are a hybrid. I am a hybrid. You yeah. know, uh, uh, they're they're crossing genetic species, uh, but there are some GMOs out there that are marvelous. Well, Gregor Mendel had his stuff together. I will mm-hmm. say that back there, even though I had to take that class at seven in the morning. And I, and I think not only Gregor, but I think his wife was pretty competent, too. Uh, yeah. She, what was her name? Lucinda? I don't remember. Mrs. Mendel. <laughs> Mrs. Mendel. There you go. Okay. All right. I am kind of curious, Jeff. What was the question that I was supposed to remember? <laughs> I don't remember. Shit, I don't remember. There, there. Okay, I don't feel so bad now. No, we were talking Get about... Dave to run it back. <laughs> we were talking about... I made the comparison that Amy had said to 10 oh, and, the, and the temperature and... And okay. and I agree completely with me. I do. It's, so I had the right answer. I was right. <laughs> well, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of. Sort of. Well, I, I don't really believe that, you know, it's an exact science. If you if you're, you know, cooker's going to go up or down by five degrees, don't jump up and down and say it's out of control. It's not exactly a 225. And I don't think that's what you were saying, Meathead. But, um, you know, it is. It's It's part of the art of trying to manage your fire. Try to be consistent in temperature, but don't freak out if it goes up, you know, cu- cut off the oxygen. You know, that's I, that's all I have. To I say. did a <laughs> I did a seminar this last Saturday um, and uh, a book signing and we had a nice crowd there. And somebody asked a question um, uh, which struck me as, uh, gosh, this is really basic stuff, but it, he didn't under, understand it. He has a Traeger pellet smoker and he says he was graphing the temperature and it would go up and down and up and down and and that is standard even on your indoor oven it's called a sinusoidal curve and that's because if you set it for 225 it will heat up and it uh-huh. will go to 225 and then it will go past 225 up uh-huh. to maybe 230 235 yep and then it'll switch off uh-huh. the temperature will drop and it'll go past uh-huh. 225 and down to 220, 215, then it'll switch on and go up. Mm-hmm. And it just never, a very small percentage of the time is at 225, but it averages 225. Mm-hmm. So right there, you're and, and this is on all pellet smokers and all indoor ovens. Um, they go over and under, over and under, and they make this curve, this S-shaped curve, um, if you look at it on a graph. And that's standard procedure. Uh, um, it's just how big a variation. And in fact, uh, until recently I had a Mac pellet grill and I charted it and it was over and under five, five okay. degrees. My indoor GE oven is over and under 10. So yeah. my Mac pellet smoker was more precise than my GE oven. There you go. Yeah. I, uh, do you think people, do you think people that aren't, totally comfortable yet with their i don't care what kind of grill or smoker they have but if they're not totally comfortable with it or do they fuss with it maybe too much yeah, yeah. i think there's a i think a lot of people are out there twiddling and opening vents and closing vents and lifting the lid and adding more charcoal and stuff yeah yeah 
I think that's all part of le- mastering your instrument. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so you too. Once you get skilled at it, patience. you don't. Yeah, you got to have more patience because it's not going to go up and down in seconds flat. Wait for it to do its thing before you start fiddling again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And I think a lot of people don't know, especially if they're cooking with charcoal, how much charcoal they need. So they'll dump a whole chimney in there and it will go through the roof mm-hmm. way too hot. And now they're like, okay, what do I do now? So now they take the lid off, which of course just adds oxygen. <laughs> yeah. And that makes it get even hotter sometimes. Yeah. Um, they, I mean, it cools off immediately because the lid's off. But then when you put the lid on, you've got all this oxygen inside. So it's still running hot. Mm-hmm. And so it takes time to figure it out, to understand the science, um, to, uh, you know, how much charcoal do I start with on a summer day? And how much do I start with on Thanksgiving mm-hmm. and in a winter and so on? So uh, people figure it out. Yeah, I think they do uh, eventually. And I think that was actually one of the, uh, what I want to say, the impetus of the pellet smokers to begin with, because you could set it and forget it for the most part. Uh, you you might have that five or ten degree variable in there that we talked about a few minutes ago, but versus on, you know, you see this a lot too when people maybe get a new gas grill and they crank, you know, it's got the automatic starter and all that. That's all very cool, man. We've got we've got gas grills now with landing lights on them from a seven forty seven. You know what I mean? You've got all that, yeah. You've got all that stuff out there. But if it's new and you haven't really used it much and all of a sudden, you know, there's a starting position, you do that, you crank it down to a medium heat. What In your mind, and I'm not talking about you personally, but in that person's mind, a medium heat should maybe be 350, whatever. Medium heat on this new solid stainless steel, high gauge, all this stuff is 475. And Mm -hmm. all of a sudden they're going, well, wait a minute, if I put it on low, it's not going to cook this. Again, back to direct and indirect, hot and cold, uh-huh. you know, all that stuff. So uh-huh. uh, really the point in all this blathering we've been doing, Meathead's got a point here, but I think is know, know your machine and learn to use it. Uh-huh. Well, they're, they're, and they're, the way to learn your machine is to practice with it without food. Yeah. Uh, get good thermometers. We know you need a good thermometer for your meat. I mean, if you want a medium rare steak, you have to have a thermometer. You can't use a watch. You cook with a a thermometer, not a clock. Um, But you also should have a thermometer for your cooker. And the dial thermometer in the dome is going to mislead you because it's different temperature in the dome than it is down on the surface. Right. Food is. So you can buy a thermometer that has a probe with a clip that clips right to the cooking surface next Mm -hmm. to the food. And it feels the same temperature that the food does. And so now, you can practice without food. You can clip a thermometer to the cooking surface and play with your gas grill and decide if I want to hit 225 in the indirect zone, how many burners do I have to turn on? How many are on high? How many are on low? How many are off? What are what combination yeah. will get me where mm-hmm. I want to be? Same mm-hmm. thing with charcoal. How much charcoal? Full chimney, half a chimney. Um, and it's different for lump as with uh, briquettes. And you need to, you know, you got to go out there and fire it up a few times and uh, and and get get a sense for, and watch the temperature. Well, notice that when you take the lid off, it cools off. But when you put the lid back on, it'll often overshoot. 
Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Um, that's going to do it for uh, after hours, except I wanted to ask Meathead this one question, which we have not asked him in several years. If we made you supreme ruler of barbecue mm-hmm. for one day, what would you decree? Use a oh, thermometer. Use I do, yeah. <laughs> You're right. You're right. I did that. <laughs> yeah, thermometers. I mean, yeah. just it's all about cooking, whether indoors or out, is all about temperature. Get control of temperature. Thank you for the Leanne, because I'm saying, what am I going to say? Thermometers. Yeah, Most important it. tool. More important than a good knife. Well, and, I and we had to get it in there. Yeah. We just had to get it in there because you're never happy unless we talk and about thermometers. And you can get a really good instant read meat probe for under thirty dollars, and uh-huh. you can get a really good oven probe for about forty dollars. So for under a hundred, you're well equipped. Yep, uh-huh. absolutely. Meathead Goldwyn from AmazingRibs.com. Thank you again, our my friend, and uh, as always, Miss Leanne. Uh, we all have a nice Fourth of July. We yeah, will. Yeah, you too. I was going to make one more joke here, but I think I'll let it go. And Leanne, I will get you those gloves that I promised you. I got them all boxed up, and I went well, to good, the post because office I have, today. Yeah, I have burns all over my hands waiting. I, for these them. are nice new gloves. <laughs> nice gloves, and uh, I, of course, I, I they've been sitting on my porch for weeks, and I've been too busy to go out. But I'm I sure. went out today, and the post office was closed. Of course. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Okay. All right. We'll be back next week with Thank another you. edition of After Hours. Until then, take care. Remember our motto, turn it, don't burn it. Have a great time, everybody. <laughs>